Sometimes you podcast for a business you own, and the reason that you do it is to share it with people. Maybe potential leads, your broader community, an audience you already have, fellow experts and practitioners in your space. It's fair to say that most podcasts exist as some kind of public audience-facing content. But not all podcasts are meant to be shared widely. Some of the elements that make a podcast so effective at building audience and creating connections for networking and client nurturing work equally well to share information and develop a company culture internally. My guest today, Shannon Martin, is the Director of Communications and Corporate Podcast Specialist for Podbean, a popular podcast host that has great services and functionality specifically for internal company podcasts. And that is what we are talking about today on the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. My guest today, Shannon Martin, is the Director of Communications and Corporate Podcast Specialist for Podbean, a popular podcast host that has great services and functionality for internal podcasts. Shannon, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, I'm excited. Talk about some of my favorite topics. Oh, I love it. Mine too. So my very first question for you is, do you remember and can you tell us what is the first podcast that you ever listened to? Yes, I'm going to sort of split it between two because they coincided. So basically, my podcast listening started a long time ago in the iPod days. Tells you how long ago. The early days of podcasting. And it really came from being a fan of NPR and the radio shows, which I would listen to while driving. I was in a marketing role, so I drove around a lot, not just commuting. I drove during odd times of day. NPR, generally, the local stations had their things on the morning and evening commute. And I wanted that in between. And at the same time, they started basically taking their radio shows and putting them into on-demand. So they were podcasts, but they were actually repurposed radio shows. So I don't know specifically which show I could point it to, but it was NPR things. And then when I discovered, oh, there's this cool on-demand audio format, The Amateur Traveler was another one that very early days I started with. I still, to this day, am constantly seeking out new travel and global and cultural shows. It's an area where I think there could be more because I constantly search for them. But Amateur Traveler is one that is still going to this day. So it's a very prolific show from an independent podcaster. Oh, good for them. Well, we'll link to it in the show notes for anyone who wants to check it out. Yeah. You've been listening to podcasts for a really long time. Just really high level. What's the difference between a podcast then and a podcast now? If you think of something off the top of your head, like what has changed the most dramatically? probably just the volume of them. So the choices. And I think what that means is there's more sophistication in terms of what's out there. There weren't scripted audio dramas and this huge diversity of formats and things that there are now. So the essential, everything about the podcast, I think are very similar, you know, and Amateur Traveler is an example. And so are the NPR shows. They're actually still all kind of around in the original format. But I think the landscape of what's out there has definitely gotten more sophisticated, more interesting. It, there's room for so much and diverse voices, which I think is so cool. And finally, there's still plenty of room for growth in this, but more international people getting into podcasting so that we'll have more representation in languages and cultures and things. Fantastic. And yeah, we've got the same thing that similar on NPR and the CBC up here in Canada. Yes. I yeah, love the CBC. original, like really good <laughs> content. Another good point about the sophistication of the market of podcasting and the people creating. And so one of the things that has been developing is internal podcasts. So would you really quickly give us an overview? What is an internal podcast? 
The podcasts themselves might often be similar to something external, but they're really targeted to an internal audience at a company, or it could be like a membership organization. We have one example. It's a political party. And they do some that they put out publicly, but they do some that go to their members only. So they're kind of restricted content. So anything that's kind of meant to be kept behind a wall so that it doesn't go out there to everyone. And for most of the uses we see are for employees, so a wide variety of uses um, for employees. So taking into account a lot of the same things as other podcasts, but with sort of different goals sometimes. It is. The political party is a really example, and I hadn't actually thought of that. I was really thinking more along, you know, bigger corporations or organizations that have a, a workforce. But what are some of the other interesting use cases you've seen for you know, internal non-public podcasts? Yeah, I think a lot of the companies that we have with one big use is in training. So they may do multiple kinds of training. I don't think podcasts replace everything form of training. Some things require a lot of visuals, although we do have some that also do video podcasts, but and there may be hands-on things, but there's a lot of aspects of training that can be used, that podcasting can be used for. It can be complementary. It can be reinforcing because it's on demand. People can go back and have a just-in-time learning. Micro-learning is a popular term in that field, and they can use that, you know, coming into an actual face-to-face -face training, listening to podcasts to prime the audience to be ready to have some knowledge up front. Some of the cool things we've seen additionally are things like taking various podcasts that the company might do, like maybe they have different podcasts going and taking pieces of it and making an onboarding podcast, like a podcast just for that. So bringing new people onto the team, helping them feel connected to the company, helping them have key learnings, information that they need. And I guess a really common use that people might think of is the leadership teams and companies sharing messaging. And while that is still huge, the thing I've noticed the last two years, I would say maybe even more, is that more companies recognize that we don't just want it to be leaders talking, saying their things. We want to hear from the people in the organization. We want people to feel involved, attracting good talent and retaining good talent. And developing good talent is a big challenge right now. And <laughs> yeah. podcasts are a way to make people feel really strongly a part of the organization. And also that is your talent. So they have so much expertise to share, but often that voice doesn't get tapped into. You know, I'm going about my day-to-day -day job. I'm not in charge of training. I don't have place to share that kind of knowledge. And the podcast makes a really easy way for that to be done. Because if you ask me, oh, I'm a sales hero. I'm doing great with sales. And you say, oh, Shannon, come speak at this big event we're having for a thousand people. I may not want to do that. If you say, let me interview on the podcast, a lot of people will do that and feel more comfortable. So it really can get those voices of the company and that expertise out. It's a really cool point, you know, especially about the kind of the lower friction in being involved in a podcast versus, you know, even getting yourself on video and being recorded doing something for later use. One of the things you mentioned that, you know, list of really interesting ways to use internal podcasts, you caught my ear, was, was micro learning in advance of kind of training servants. Can you just speak about that a little bit more? What would a micro learning podcast episode, kind of what would its anatomy be? Micro learning can, I guess, serve a lot of different purposes, but it could be something if they did something you kind of listened to before a training, it would be something that comes out, maybe a very concise episode on that topic that you're going to be going in depth on in training giving a little bit of information, maybe a story about it, 
it could really help people to feel a little more excited about the training to maybe see why it's going to apply. So a story about the skill set or whatever we're learning, how it actually played out in a customer scenario or as a solution, I think that can be helpful. And then it can be also companies take pieces of their training. So maybe they do a more formal online kind of training and they take snippets, you know, they have recorded it. So they could put it out as a whole thing, but they could also take pieces of that and have that bite-sized learning that people can refer back to. And then we have a lot of people when they're using the Podbean solution, the employees themselves and the managers of the platform will make these playlists. So as an employee, what's fun is I could have a playlist and say like, that's something I'm constantly going to have to use in my job. People that do learning and development, certainly they're already very aware of this. You can't just do a one-time training. (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) Because people learn on the job and they need tools and skills at different points. And so having that access to go back and listen and say, now, you know, I thought I got it at the time, but now that I'm trying to put it into practice. And then I think one of the training bits that we've seen that is kind of fun that I haven't seen enough of, though, and I think there will be more, is that for a lot of jobs, role plays and hearing a scenario can be really helpful. You just think about If I was all day on my headphones taking customer calls, whether it's for a sales role or a customer support, and I need to know how to deal with those. And a lot of times they have scripts and things like that for training. But to be able to hear my colleague who is the best example, who dealt with a really challenging customer situation, who was really angry, and you not only have certain words to say, but you have a tone of voice that makes a big difference as to how that customer will feel. And so to be able to hear those and, again, go back and listen to them when you're having a particular struggle, I think, is something that's really unique to podcasting. Yeah, that sounds extremely valuable. And I mean, far less cringeworthy than those 80s training videos that so many of us had to watch when we were (laughs) in various jobs and various roles. This is a much more modern take on it because a lot of the customer service work we're doing now is video-based anyway. And that'll be kind of the case for who knows how long. Really, really cool point. It's a nice level of accessibility to add to your training and to learning and to like within a company communications. Because some people do learn better just by listening. Maybe they can be doing something else with their hands rather than reading a list or even watching a video. So really, really cool training purposes for this medium. And there's something within a company, you know, you are an employee of a company and you, you basically have to do what you're told for a lot of things. And that might include listening to the company podcast. So what are your recommendations for engaging people more voluntarily in the listening company and internal podcasts? Yeah, and we actually see a variety where one company I can think of, for example, that we have a case study from is VMware, and they do a lot of training podcasts, and some of them are required trainings. And so they actually use our system to integrate with their learning management system to give people credits and things. But they have something like 40% that and 60% great content, but not required kind of thing. And a lot of the companies that we work with, it's not required stuff and they're not necessarily giving credits and things. So I would say either one, you still want to engage people because even if it is the required training, just like you said, don't want people to have those horrible memories of those training videos they used to have. You want to produce good stuff because if they're forced to listen, that's fine, but you also want results from it. So (laughs) you're trying to build company culture, not make them hate you. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's one thing that podcasts can be so great for. It can actually make employees much happier with the company because you're respecting their time. You're allowing them to go out and take a walk and listen and have more balance potentially. So it can be very engaging if done well. But I think 
Number one, the first thing is the planning and making the content decent. It is going to to be the base of all of it. Yeah. And from there, that does help build the word of mouth. If it's good, if it's bad, you're going to have that challenge. But obviously, that's assuming it will build over time and it will if it's good. But also, I think putting some proactive efforts in promotion is important. And sometimes because they're internal, companies forget that. We don't have to build a marketing plan around it, but you do really have to have a promotions plan. So we really believe in cross-promoting. If you do a company newsletter, the podcast, mention those, embed the podcast players in different places where people are, build some excitement. I think collaboration is probably the number one thing, though, that I'd recommend. And that is getting different people involved in the project, getting employees interviewed, you know, maybe forming a little committee about the podcast and getting feedback. And then also having those folks then can be ambassadors and help spread the word as well. So getting that, having buy-in, having people involved. So we have different collaboration tools on our platform that let different roles go in and do different things with the podcast. That makes it easy, but different companies approach it different ways as to who they have involved. And I think when we see, even if it starts out as kind of one purpose, one department, once it starts to branch out a bit and it becomes a bit more of a regular known habit, known thing, then it really starts to to really build from there. People know it's a go-to resource. I also think that's why we might talk more about some logistical things later, but I think that's why the user experience for those internal users is really important to consider. Just don't want to put up a lot of barriers in the whole process. But don't forget to promote it and share it and do the things that it might be a little different and it might be a little less intense than with a branded podcast or something that you're trying to get out there to the world. Do have a bit more of a captive audience, but your employees are also very busy and have a lot of things going on. And when you're thinking about why to do an internal podcast, that's important in the whole process. And then that can be helpful in pitching it to people. We're doing this so they don't have 18 more emails this week. You know, we've made this into a nice format, you know, to take some of that burden off. Here's why we're doing it. And I think that messaging up front can also be really important. So they aren't thinking, oh, it's another thing. It's more hassle. They're thinking, oh, it is to help. That's a really nice point. For external podcasts and, you know, general content marketing, you think a lot about who is the audience for this? Why will they care? And you know, a lot of time and attention is given to the perception and the experience of the end user. And it's really easy to forget that for your employees because you're so used to working with that in a different context. But they deserve the same consideration that strangers do, at least. So you touched on this a little, and let's get more into the technical stuff. So there's 10 bazillion guides out there for how to publish and get your podcast out there for regular podcasts that are their public out there facing. What are some of the technical requirements or differences for internal shows that are not meant to be publicly shared or made available? Yeah, obviously securing them somehow, but getting them out is kind of the mix, the question. The way Podbean does it, there are a couple sort of approaches to it. And the way Podbean does it is we have everything secured behind either single sign-on, so it goes through the company's normal sign-on, or they can do a combination of email and password. Most of our larger organizations use their own sign-on. It means that, you know, employees don't need a new login, another login. It's managed how their passwords are managed. So it makes it more convenient, but also the company knows everything is done through their security. So it gives that extra comfort level. But then we deliver the podcasts via apps that can also listen online. But we have 
podcasting apps with the expertise that Podbean has as a popular podcast listening app. So it has all the features that all of us enjoy in our podcasting apps so that it makes it a great user experience. There are some other ways to do it with different platforms and different services and things where you can do, you know, if you think of YouTube, there's unlisted YouTube videos and things. That can work. Most of the organizations that come to us are very concerned about security because they're sharing some things. Even if it's not super proprietary, they just don't want to be training someone else's staff. (laughs) And, you know, (laughs) there are things they're going to share that they don't necessarily want the competition to have. And then some are sharing more proprietary kind of information. So for most companies, I think, and larger organizations, they're not going to want to use private feed method or that kind of thing. But there are some different options with that. And then the other thing that I'll touch on, because I hear this a lot, is companies will say, they'll think of a podcast they want to do, do the recording, and they'll think, we have an intranet. So we can just pop these, you know, audio files up on the intranet. And I would say probably that's what most companies are doing, internal podcasts are doing from what I hear. I hear that a lot. But then I also hear them say, we're just not getting great engagement wonder why. Yeah. And I always say there's two things. I haven't heard your podcast, so I don't know how good or horrible it is, you know, but I also know that that user experience, and then those are the folks that often come to me and say, well, the feedback we got is that people like it. They like the content, but they want to go listen at the gym and they have to keep signing in and it doesn't play in the background and this and that. So they really don't love that. It's not ideal or they can't get to it, you know, on their, on their mobile device or whatever. That's such a good point because there's so much competition for listening time. It's so easy just to open up whatever podcast app you're already using and listen to what's coming next. You know, having to go sign in, I can really imagine resistance. No one wants a new app. You just want to use what you've got. Yeah, definitely. Company intranets aren't really set up for that purpose. So, I mean, if you have somehow an ideal experience, I've heard of companies that have made an app for other things and they incorporate the podcast in. So, you know, if it works, it works. It doesn't have to be the Podbean solution, but just consider how that plays out with putting it just in an intranet. We have companies, I mean, a lot of them embed the players on their intranet also, and that also is good for publicity of it. But the mobile kind of listening experience, I think, is something that's really important. So it's kind of balancing out the different options with that and considering costs and platforms they have. And there's kind of a whole lot of things in the mix there and you know, a whole lot of process with kind of getting through that. But the producing and these kind of pieces are fairly similar, but then distribution is definitely different than, you know, your podcast where you'd be putting it up on a hosting site and then you'd be wanting to spread it out to every platform. This is kind of the opposite. They don't want to spread it out to everywhere. So they have to figure out what's best. That is an important thing to highlight, really, because I can really easily imagine a lot of companies saying, oh, we tried internal podcasting and it totally bombed. So it's not a strategy that would ever work for us. But then you really do think about it. It's like, oh, it took someone six clicks to start listening to a podcast episode. That's not a thing someone is going to do willingly, really. I mean, that's true for any podcast you listen to. You shouldn't make it too hard to get to. (laughs) But I think particularly, you know, what is the path from, hey, you should listen to the company podcast to hearing the company podcast. That really deserves a lot of attention. So speaking of that, you know, I guess would be a common mistake is fair to say. What are some of the other maybe errors in judgment or mistaken ideas people tend to have when they first think, okay, we got to do an internal podcast? What have you seen? There is sometimes that concept nowadays of they hear about it and so they think they want to do it. And I always say that, I mean, that's great. We love that as podcast fans. But also, please go back to what the goal is 
you know, so maybe it's a cool idea to have it, but okay, how is it really going to meet our needs and our current goals? I'm sure there absolutely are cases. You know, I, I'm sure if you think a podcast is going to be cool, I can help you find a way that's going to make a lot of sense, but make sure that it matches with goals and needs so that you're not just doing it to do it and that it's the appropriate medium for what kind of thing you're trying to achieve. It's the best possible medium for that or part of the mix. Anyway, I think that's a big issue. And then in what we were talking about before about the user experience, the other piece of that, that when I hear people say their internal podcast didn't succeed and I ask them, tell me a little more, you know, oh, <laughs> no one really wanted to listen. Okay, well, that kind of surprises me based on what I hear from other people, but I don't know how you're delivering it. And I also don't know what the content is. So I think it is important to put those efforts behind the content. And so that goal is where you start from. And then how does a format, how does the length, how does all of that fit what you're trying to achieve for the employee? And I'm going to write an article on this, I think. I was speaking to someone the other day and my conversation went sort of like this. And then in the end, I said, oh, you've inspired me to write an article. What about your favorite podcasts could you apply to make your internal podcast successful? Oh, that's a great question to ask. This person told me, oh, our employees love podcasts. They tell us all the time about things they learn from podcasts. But when we tried to do it, we didn't have any luck. And my brain automatically goes, if they like podcasts and you're doing good podcasts, that shouldn't be the issue. So I was like, why don't you find out what they like and listen to those? And get some ideas. What are they doing? What kind of lengths are they? What kind of formats are they? What entertainment pieces can be put into the educational part of it? What are some elements that you could put in there? Um, a storytelling arc is very important, whether it's an interview show or whatever. And that's a common, common mistake. <laughs> With that, and this is maybe more on the technical level, but people who do like podcasts get accustomed to a certain level of audio quality. And, you know, sometimes that can be a harder sell, say, to the higher ups to invest in, you know, a good recording room, time for the host to practice and get really good. And the post-production that goes into making a show that sounds like it was recorded off the cuff, but actually took six hours of editing to make sound that good. Is... <laughs> yeah, that's another important thing to consider, especially if you do have known podcast fans. Known podcast fans have known podcast standards. <laughs> Exactly. And I don't have access to this person who I was talking to their podcast, but I would love side by side for them to listen. Okay, ask your employees, find out what a favorite that's kind of common among people is. Listen to that and listen to yours. And I think you'll quickly find there were some things. <laughs> that actually sounds like a more painful exercise than going back to listen to your own episodes. To see yeah. how they did. <laughs> Perfect. So if someone is now, you know, they're listening to this or they've been thinking about it for a while and they're like, okay, this sounds great should have an internal podcast. What are the first things they should think about? I mean, other than, as you very correctly said, what are my goals and what need is this going to fill? But maybe from a more workflow perspective, how do they go from we should have a podcast to having an internal podcast? Yeah, I mean, definitely reinforce the goals and that are number one. Always, I think always the goals. <laughs> I think forming some kind of team at that point who's going to be involved. And hopefully it is a team, even if it's a team of a couple Folks, a lot of the companies we work with, one person sort of spearheaded it. And that person still often says, oh, I'm kind of a team of one. But they often do have people working on different elements. But I think if you can get people right up front, some kind of team involved. And that includes considering who you're going to have to get involved kind of early on, because potentially for us, 
we're the platform. So people come to us with the security questions and all of that. And if there's one podcast champion, but they don't fairly quickly realize that they're going to have to have this IT approval or legal approval, legal procurement to purchase whatever. So those kind of things are just, that's kind of, I don't know, they can be small annoyances in a way, but they're important to consider because you don't want to get too far down the road of planning before you at least know what those steps are going to be. The planning process really begins from there with what are the goals and then what's the format that's going to match up with that. Is it a lot of times, quite commonly, these are interview shows at companies with employee interviews and that kind of thing, but there will be scripted trainings. There's a wide variety and obviously it matches up with those kind of things. And as I think you've talked about a lot before with these kind of things, if it's going to be a solo show, for example, let's say the CEO wants to do a, a talk every week, you know, kind of as a team looking at that and saying, is that the best way to do it? Or should we have someone interview the CEO so that there's some interplay? Because the challenge of a solo show is not having dynamics, not having interaction and that. Of course, CEOs have so much abundant free time to sit down right. and <laughs> weekly 10-minute solo episodes. Right. <laughs> they love that. If they're going to do a solo episode, I mean, if they came up with the idea and they're going to do it, but if it's a solo episode, they really probably need to script it out a bit more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that they may not have time to do. But sitting down for an interview may be easier for them. And it really, in the end, often turns out better because there is the dynamics of a conversation. So kind of, you know, the, considering those pieces and then obviously making a content plan, not forgetting about a promotion plan from starting. So there's all those kind of things. And then, you know, also in that beginning planning process, figuring out some of the technical side, what kind of platform we're going to use, what kind of gear we are going to need. So variable by company because some have recording studios even. I mean, that's amazing when that's the case. Some have no idea where to begin <laughs> and have nothing. And they might start with something fairly simple and test things out and then grow. Certainly we run across people that definitely realize they need to outsource some of that. And it would really make more sense to work with a production company. So it just kind of depends. But before you're going to hit record, you're going to need to know at least how we're going to start with that. That was going to be a, sort of kind of a question more of curiosity than anything else is do you find more of these companies are producing their internal podcasts internally? Or are they contracting to podcast editors and producers to do that work? Because I mean, that adds a whole other layer of security and access and information concerns. How it kind of goes into that decision is should you bring in third parties or try to train the intern? <laughs> yeah, it's a big variety. We're actually doing a survey right now to get a better handle oh, cool. on this data-wise instead of just anecdotally, because I talk to a lot of companies and my other colleague, we're kind of talked to the, most of the companies. So we kind of will say, oh, lately it seems... You know, maybe that's because today I talked to two companies that are doing it a certain way. So we're trying to actually, we're asking people, how are you doing it? You have to convince me the value of data. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <podcast>. Exactly. <laughs> so we're trying to ask them, how are they doing it? And then if maybe what they would want, because maybe how they're doing it now is not ideal for them. So I've noticed that lately we've had a lot of production companies contacting Podbean about our platform. So clearly they already have a production company involved. So either they had an idea for a podcast and they contacted a production company. A lot of times I think they have some existing relationship 
where maybe that production company does other types of AV kind of things with them. And so they knew this company or another company tells them how we did it. And some of the production companies maybe are sort of pitching the companies too. So I've had a fair few lately that have come that way to us. And then a lot of our clients from thinking back about our case studies, a lot of them were doing all of the production work themselves. But I haven't run into a lot where they didn't know anything about it, where they basically, like you said, said like, hey, intern, learn this. You know, <laughs> Usually there was someone internally or even a department that does a lot of the, like, I have one client now who's going to start using our platform. And the guy who contacted me, he was actually called producer. That was his title at this company. I was like, that's interesting. And he said, yeah, over time, I just kind of got this niche where I started doing, I started producing, you know, their videos and their, I'm kind of this internal producer. And then sometimes the training departments do a lot of online training. So they have some knowledge of editing and that type of stuff. So sometimes they have resources in-house, I would say, but it's not usually a podcast production expertise per se. Sometimes they still can use certain elements of somebody that has specific expertise. I think a lot of the content planning and sort of storyboarding and maybe coaching people on how to host or how to interview, those are the elements that maybe most often are missing. Because I think it's a little easier to teach yourself editing, even though I'm not one to say that because I don't like to do editing. But <laughs> that's a skill that can someone can learn and they can improve upon that. But there's also editing is more than just cutting out an um. And maybe that's what they don't. There's definitely levels. And it's always nice if someone on the team, you know, understands which end of a mic to speak into is a strong place to start. Not a mistake I've ever made myself, of course. <laughs> Never, not once. Uh, but <laughs> Shannon, where can people learn more about the Podbean solution and read more your work and information that I know you are regularly creating and putting out there? Sure. We're podbean.com. So that's easy on that one. And we actually have, when you go to our site, there's an enterprise section. It's our pro or enterprise section. And that has case studies and also this solution we're specifically talking about today. And we also do a lot on LinkedIn. We actually have a LinkedIn group that is specific to this kind of use case, internal and branded podcast, but it's for companies, basically companies and organizations that are doing podcasting. And we're hoping to keep growing and engaging that community more so that people can help each other out and help each other with resources and also on our normal LinkedIn page. So those are places that we have a blog, but you can find that through the other things. So rather than giving a lot of places for people to go, they can find that on the website. So, And right before I let you go, one final word of podcast-related advice from you to anyone who is listening. Think about what you would want to listen to. And even if it's training or something that you have to listen to, just think about how it could be made more enjoyable for someone. The Business Podcast Blueprint Show is written and hosted by me, Megan Doherty. I'm the co-founder of One Stone Creative, and this is all done in close collaboration with my fellow co-founder, Audra Casino. The show is edited by Erwin and Jensen Galino, managed by Darla Fields, and the notes are written by Hazel Ann LaFortune. If you want to find out how we can help you create a high-value company show, or generally learn about the ins and outs of podcasting as a business, find us at onestonecreative.net. That's O-N-E, stonecreative.net. Until next time.